Welcome to Ionosphere episode 15. I'm Chance Lunsford. You can find me at Logo Centrifuge on Twitter and everywhere else that I am at. Uh, we're here today first with Garrett Daly. Garrett, do you want to introduce yourself and tell them where they can find you? How goes Garrett Daly? Uh, you can find me on masterthyself.com, which is actually called MasterSelf, but uh, there's some Russian dudes that own the website, so for the time <laughs> being, it's masterthyself.com. Next up, we have Benjamin George. Benji, do you want to introduce yourself and tell them where they can find you? Yeah, sure, guys. Don't know why everyone seems a bit nervous today because we've got a great guest from Zuby. I'm Benjamin George, uh, at BenjaminGJW on Twitter and BenjaminGJW.com. And after Benjamin has finished projecting his nervousness onto everybody, oh, oh. we'll move on to Jeremy. Yes. And why don't you uh, introduce yourself, my friend? Absolutely. I'm Jeremy, but you probably better know me on Twitter as at Manful Therapy. I have a clinical psychology background. I specialize in helping men with men's issues. Uh, you can find me at my handle, just at Manful Therapy. You can also email me at mindfulmasculine at gmail.com. And last but not least, the reason we're all gathered here today, the one, the only, the gender fluid, Zuby. Yo, wow. what's up? How you guys doing? I am Zuby, at Zuby Music on everything, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, ZubyMusic.com. Independent rapper, creative entrepreneur, host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast, and all-around nice guy when I'm identifying as one. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, man. Um, obviously, we want to talk to you a little bit about that, uh, but you know, I'm sure you've I'm sure you've gotten that joke about like ten thousand times by now. <laughs> so, um, you know, we were just kind of curious that that video blew up and everything that came from it. I mean, your whole your whole horizon has just shifted dramatically from that, from that one move. And I know, um, I know I'm just kind of curious how having something like this happen to you and having it happen just like that, mm. what does it feel like to go through that? And what looking forward, what do you hope to be able to leverage this momentum into doing? Yeah, yeah sure thing. So it's been, um, it's been really interesting. So for anyone who's listening, who's not aware, I posted a video about two weeks ago now on my Twitter profile. At the time I had 19 and a half thousand followers. It was a video of me lifting 230 kilograms, which is not anything, um, anything special if you've seen my deadlift videos before. But what made it go viral was the caption. So I, I wrote a post saying that I identified as a woman whilst I was doing the deadlift. And as a result, I am now the new British women's powerlifting champion. And then I wrote that anybody who had a problem with it uh, was a bigot. And I, I tweeted it just, I wasn't, uh, I certainly was not foreseeing such a strong response. I thought, you know, a couple thousand people might watch it and I know my followers, they'll probably find it quite funny or whatever. And after about an hour, it had like 30,000 views. After about three hours, it had, I think it had broken 100,000 by the evening it was up to 300,000 like it just went Dang. nuts it went it went bananas like the i was looking at the likes and the retweets in real time and it was just ticking up it was just ticking up in real time and i was just like whoa 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 what's what's going on here like 
the notifications just started going crazy. I started, I immediately broke 20,000 followers because I've been stuck at 19 and a half thousand for two months or something. And then I came back, it was, I had 21,000 followers and I was just, whoa, it was just crazy. And I was looking at the responses. I just started replying to them kind of tongue in cheek being quite satirical in the responses, just sort of using this strange gender fluidity logic against people. And, uh, yeah, it just went nuts. So it's not the first time I've gone viral on Twitter. I went viral several times last year, but not quite to this degree where it kind of got into the news. It was in the news nationally, internationally. I was featured in the Sunday Times on BBC. I had an interview with BBC Radio 1. Um, it was covered by uh, Ben Shapiro, Louder with Crowder, The Daily Wire, uh, Russian Today, lo- loads of news. I even The New York Times even got in touch. Um, I don't know if anything's going to happen with them, but they did get in touch. Uh, Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain played the video, <laughs> played the video and commented on it. So it, it was just crazy. It was crazy. I mean, people, some people were thinking, oh, you know, that was amazing marketing. That was a great publicity stunt or whatever. I was like, man, uh, if I'd engineered that, I would have at least put my music in the background or something. Right. <laughs> I, did not, I was not expecting such a response. So it's now up to 1.25 million views, I think. And it did like wow. 15 million impressions on that single tweet. So yeah, wow. it's been interesting. That's wild. Yeah. Has, have you seen a massive spike in like record sales, merch sales, that kind of stuff? Yeah. In the, in the time it was going viral, I, I actually, I sort of dropped the ball because it already had probably 700,000 views before I was like, oh crap, I should do a merchandise sale and direct people towards my merchandise. Mm. So I did do that and I I sold a whole bunch of t-shirts once I realized, but I should have done that off the bat. But like I said, it wasn't wasn't pre-planned. So I wasn't thinking, okay, I'm going to have the voucher code ready on my website. I'm going to have the images ready and all that. It was kind of like, whoa, okay, how can I at least direct some of this attention towards what I actually do, do. So either towards my music or my YouTube channel or my podcast or my merchandise. So I did, I have certainly scooped up a whole bunch of new genuine fans as a result of it. Um, I'm now up to approaching 33,000 followers on Twitter. So that's from 19,000 two weeks ago. My Instagram has gone up by another thousand. My Facebook has gone up. I've gained about 500 YouTube subscribers thousands of new podcast listeners, thousands of podcast downloads. So overall, um, yeah, I mean, especially can, from, from a single tweet, I, I'm not mad at that. And obviously I've gotten on the radar of a whole bunch of brand new people. I mean, it was retweeted by Piers Morgan and Coulter, Ben Shapiro, uh, Gad Saad, some people at Fox News. Like, it, it, just went, it just went bananas. I couldn't even keep track of it. That's so I'm, I'm curious, like, I'm sure on the one hand, that's got to be something similar to uh, you're probably not a gambler, but you know, there's that, there's that slot machine phenomenon where you put a quarter in, you pull the lever and then all these coins come in the lights and the flashing noise. And I'm sure there's an element of that, but I'm also curious kind of your take on the ability for something like this to happen now uh, from a platform like Twitter, because, you know, maybe five years ago, you might hear every once in a while something outrageous or some very famous person already um, coming to the fore on Twitter. But now it seems like all these news stories and all this controversy are being sort of bubbled up inside mm. this particular platform and then spreading out from there. So I wonder if you could maybe talk a little bit about how you've been dealing with that sort of like 
you know, mm. super well, dopamine hit and, and all the rest. <laughs> of that. Well, Twitter's an interesting platform because um, it's, it's very powerful because of the ability for things to go viral. I think Twitter is a lot more meritocratic in a way than the other platforms are. Absolutely. Because if you do create, you can create a single piece of content that can just, and because of the retweet feature, you know, you can't, you can't retweet stuff on Instagram. You can share stuff on Facebook. You can't retweet YouTube videos like directly. There's no mechanism there, but Twitter is built for virality. So something can get retweeted onto your timeline and then you can retweet it. And then another person retweets it. So the network effect is just, is just bonkers with Twitter, which is one of a few reasons why it's my favorite social media platform. I, I am on all of them. I do use all of them, but Twitter is my favorite and I do like writing. I'm a, I'm a very cerebral person. I'm a very analytical person and I'm a very outspoken person. So I'm far more interested in sharing my thoughts through that medium than say on Instagram, you know, cause Instagram is very visual, fantastic for photographers and certain types of creators and even musicians to a degree. But with me, I'm the way I am and the way my brain works and the way my personality is, is just more suited to Twitter. So it's, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I mean, um, we, we live in strange times in a lot of ways where something can go from, yeah, you know, from, from my brain to the world that quickly. And I think with that particular post, I think that it hit on a lot of nerves at the right time. So it, it, it was interesting because I was seeing the tweet going viral in different circles and I could tell what circles it was going in, one by the language people were tweeting in, but also by, um, by the type of followers I was getting. So it hit, um, there's an entire post on Mumsnet about me, like a 17 page, 17 page thing on this forum. My sister out in Dubai actually told me about it. She was like, oh gosh, I saw this thread about you on Mumsnet. Um, so I started getting followed by like, uh, to one stage I was getting followed by all these feminists. And they all had like feminist in their bio and, you know, like weird profile photos and lots of like girl power stuff. And I was kind of like, why on earth am I getting followed by all these feminists? Like I'm not, um, I'm certainly no, no feminist hero. And I'm quite outspoken about that. But um, obviously they saw the video and was like, oh, this is fantastic. He's st sticking up for women's rights. and women's <laughs> which, which, is, which is fair enough. Cause I, I actually, I actually was, you know, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily my, um, I mean, it's funny because I'm just uh, editing a podcast now, which I recorded last month. But in that podcast, I'm actually, I kind, I'm kind of foreseeing all this stuff. So I was literally talking about biological men competing with women in sports and it not being fair towards women and it not being cool. The fact that some places, depending on the laws, I might be able to just say, yeah, I'm a woman and I can just walk into your changing room and I can be in there with my penis swinging and nobody is supposed to say anything because I've identified as a woman and anyone who is remotely sane would agree that that's a bad idea. Um, so in that perspective, I mean, I guess, yeah, it did, it did make sense from a, a feminist perspective. So they aligned with me on that one. And then, um, <laughs> funnily enough, funnily enough, after that tweet going viral, I tweeted something, um, I tweeted something making it very clear that I was pro-life. And so people kind of, uh, caught onto that one and were like, Oh no, he's no longer a feminist hero. Cause, uh, <laughs> He's against killing babies, so he's uh, he's now evil, and he's uh, wants to enforce the patriarchy on everybody. So that one that one flipped in about forty eight hours, but um, 
yeah, all the rest of it was interesting. It, it went viral in conservative spheres, and then it kind of went into like the trans trans Twitter. And trans you know, I start, yeah, like you know, because you've got all these subgroups on Twitter. They're not groups, right. per se, but you've got these different circles. So it kind of got retweeted into there, and then you know, some people were attacking me, and then I had other trans people being like, "Yo, I'm actually trans, and this is really funny, and you're making a good point." Because yeah, absolutely, you know biologically mm -hmm. this doesn't make sense so it wasn't even like the majority of them were angry at me or anything with a lot of these cases you know people get offended on other people's behalf and people just kind of want to be offended there wasn't anything really offensive about the tweet or the underlying message but you've just kind of got these people who want something to complain about they want something to be angry about and you can even tell by the messages they're sending they, they themselves aren't even sure why it was offensive they just kind of feel that they should be offended by it. They're like, I don't know what it is, but he's done something wrong. You know, this guy's he's done something wrong here. He's he's being mean to someone, and it's like, no, I'm actually not. But uh, yeah, it was fascinating. It was very fascinating. Zuby man, bad. So the the question I was actually having this conversation earlier this morning with some of my friends, like you know, separately from this. But I think it's really interesting when you think. Uh, kind of the way that the extreme elements of some of the feminism, the trans-inclusionary stuff, that I think ultimately what's going to end up kind of crushing the movement is the, the fact that specifically the trans competition in sports, you know, so trans women competing in women's sports, because people are getting hurt. You look at that wrestler that was just annihilating people, you know, just, you you can't you know there there are biological constraints that whether you know aside from you know trans rights issues which you know I, I don't care what consenting adults do the the sports thing it's like uh first off it's not fair you're disenfranchising basically all natural women from competing but then also you just you just can't uh, it, it's to a point where i think it's almost impossible to rationalize that you know yeah. because you can't you can't watch you know a trans woman who uh, can sprint, you know, a minute faster on a mile or something than, than the natural women do, you can't, you can't rationalize that. It's, the emperor has no clothes, right? No. I mean, the problem is that... Oh. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, I was going to say, the, the problem is that um, people are not telling the truth. That, that's kind of what the ultimate problem here is. It's, it's amazing how many messages I've had from people being like, oh my gosh, you're so brave. You're so brave. Be careful out there. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my personality type, but I'm not like, I didn't do this thing to be brave. And it, it wasn't a brave, to me, it wasn't like a brave thing. But because so many people have been shouted at, insulted, whatever, and they're worried about being labeled this or called that, and I'm at the stage where I don't care. I've been called everything, everything that I'm not that is bad, I've been called at this point, including ones that do not make sense, right? I've been called a white supremacist. I've been called a, I've been called a, right, exactly, right? Um, I've been called a Nazi, okay? But this is by the same people who call Jewish people Nazis because they disagree with their views. So it's like, these labels are just dumb. People just try to throw stuff out there and I mean, it's always online. I mean, first of all, when I'm in the real world, like everything is cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is cool. Nobody, nobody harasses me. It's, it's very actually rare for me to, I'm a musician. I meet a lot of people. I meet like thousands of people every year and I can get on with like everybody. 
Do you know what I mean? I think there's some people who might see some of the stuff I'm saying on Twitter or whatever and think I'm a little bit combative or unfriendly or whatever. I'm like, I'm like so chill in real life. I'm just like, yeah, man, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like I'm quite opinionated and I like having discussions and debates and whatever, but um, I certainly never go out of my way to harass someone or be mean to someone or insult someone. I don't even do that online either. It's always comes back to me. <laughs> it's always, it's always towards me. And then, you know, I might once in a while defend myself, obviously, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think people just need to, there's, there's this weird and it's, it's happening globally, certainly in the Western world. There's like this, uh, what would I call it? Like a climate of, it's like a, there's like a chill, right? There's, there's like a climate of just fear and concern and everyone's worried about what that person's going to say or what that person's going to say. And some of the fear is justified because people have been kicked off Twitter. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their friends, their girlfriends, their spouses, because they misaligned with some on something or they said the wrong thing or whatever. And they didn't just kind of buy into certain dogma. And the way I look at it, I look at it on a, on a much bigger, bigger picture. I mean, I believe that you always want to tell the truth. Telling the truth doesn't mean you go out of your way to be harsh to people or be or use force that's not necessary. But you don't want to live in a world where everybody's just everybody's just lying and people are believing in lies. Because if you if you look in history, you can see where that has gone wrong. I'm not necessarily saying this particular issue is that deep, but there have been many times just in the last century where certain things have just gotten out of hand because, yeah, the fear silenced people. Nobody spoke out about something that was clearly wrong or just didn't make sense. And everyone kind of like sits around and waits thinking, oh, it's not, it's not my business. It's not going to hurt me. It doesn't impact me. I'm not going to worry about it, whatever. And to me, just in my personal view, that's quite, I think it's quite stupid thinking, but I think it's quite dangerous thinking as well, because that's when you get the crazy people kind of running the, <laughs> the, the crazy people end up running stuff because they're reasonable, you know, just kind of normal people who are probably at least 90% of the population. No one is going, oh, wait, no, no, hang on. Like, no, you can't do that because X or wait, no, like, let's, let's think about this one. This is how we're now in a position having debates on whether or not men and women should be directly competing against each other in physical professional sports. Like that's how we're even having this conversation. 10 years ago, the idea that you'd even be debating that would have sounded ridiculous. But here we are now, and I'm being invited to come onto radio stations and discuss whether or not being a biological man gives you a strength or a speed advantage. And I'm kind of like, in the back of my head, I'm like, how's this even a conversation? But the conversation now needs to be had and you've got people saying, oh, no, no, it's, there's no difference. It's on the other side. And it's like, you people are crazy. So we need a sane voice to actually state what the objective facts are. Not because you're trying to be mean to someone or you're trying to attack any person or community, but because if you don't, then the long-term dangers and implications are far worse than someone who might call you some mean name or something. Yeah, it's, so, it's, funny. it's funny that you mentioned it because it's... It's, I don't know, um, I don't know if, you've, if any of you have heard of uh, the intolerant minority rule from uh, Nassim Taleb, which basically comes to explain all of this. And the whole reason why an intolerant minority will basically uh, end up ruling over the rest is because if, if we have, say, I don't know, any spectrum like this, and you get on this side, you get uh, radicalized on, as I say, left, right, whatever, and this side, the other side. 
And if it falls, imagine a bell, a bell curve distribution, you know that on the opposites, on the polar, on the polar opposites is going to be say 10% of crazies, 10% of people who, who are going to be, you know, the, like you said before, like the crazies and stuff. And everybody else is going to be more in the middle, wherever side they lean. And they're just going to be more, you know, not at least not as radical kind of thing. Problem with the internet is everything's so radicalized and everyone's like in fear of the mob justice. Because I mean, before, if you did, if you fucked up, I don't know, pre-internet, you were, you were in your place, no matter what uh, national news you made, you're in your, you're in your own local town, whatever. And that's it. Maybe like the people around you would say, oh yeah, well we know. And that's it. But, I mean, on the internet, there's, they can fuck up. I don't know. Mob justice can fuck up your life, can ruin you, can uh, leave you without any relation. It doesn't need to be true, obviously. Can be all just full of lies. Can be I don't know, like you said before, guys calling you what Nazi and white supremacist and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's like <laughs> the moment you get any label like that. Obviously, if you have a you know really thick skin, it's gonna uh, slide by. But any normal person having having uh, dark brown skin also helps to let that one slide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't doubt. <laughs> it's like it's it's like I'm I'm a student, for example. You know, it's like I do anything like that, I could probably get expelled. I don't think so, you know, but I mean, in a real extreme case, you know, as I could get expelled or I could be unemployable, for example, it's like for any guys who contacts my employer, it will be like, Hey, this dude is saying whatever. doesn't need to be true. doesn't, they'll, they'll probably know it's like, we know it's, we know it's not true, Benjamin, but we're not going to deal with it. Mm. And it's just, it, it's fucked up. See, that's the problem as well. There's, there's too many cowards in the world, man. People need to stop being cowards. That's what it is. And that goes for the employers too, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you're an employer and you've got some crazy mob from Twitter trying to get one of your employees fired because he said something you don't like on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, employers should stand up from those, for those people. They shouldn't, they shouldn't just be like, oh, we're going to just back down. That goes the same with these companies that sponsor people. You know, a, a company might sponsor someone and then that person says something that a certain very fringe group, very fringe minority group gets upset by and they decide to come after the person's sponsors and the sponsors are very cowardly most of the time and they'll back down and go, Oh, we don't want to deal with the heat. Let's just, let's just pull the plug on them. And it's like, no, all around people need to just stop being, it's very cowardly. as far as I'm concerned, because if that person has not, you know, I mean, if they've done something genuinely deeply offensive and wrong or criminal, that's, that's a different matter. But you know, it's like you, you've got people have to, to stick up for each other. And if, if people don't do that, then, yeah, like you said, that's how the intolerant minority takes over. Because each time, I mean, I view it almost like, you, are you guys familiar with like headhunting? Like yeah, sure. Primitive tribes used to do, right? It, that's what it's like. It's like headhunting, right? So these people are out. They're out to take heads. <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll take each other's heads if they get the opportunity. If someone's it's it's got, they've got nothing else to do. It's like, it's, yeah. like this, it's like people need like this sense of uh, belonging to something important, to this sense of fulfillment kind of thing and it's like i'm the guy who knocked down i don't know like you said headhunting they'll pull out a list look see all this list of guys of people you know i pulled them all i mm-hmm. i don't know i really, i fucked up their lives and it i don't know it gives them a sense of importance kind of thing. It's people most of most of them are fucking bored yeah like, it does and people and the reason why people are fueled is because they don't want to be the ones who get who who, who get hunted Oh, yeah, right. virtual signaling. Yeah, so if so, if something happens, then the reason why sometimes people are so quick to jump into these mobs or to levy accusations at other people is because they feel like it insulates them from the accusation. 
right? So when mm-hmm. all this Me Too stuff was really blowing up, for example, you'd have men almost like trying to jump and be the, be like accuse another guy because it's like, okay, well, if I'm accusing someone, that insulates me. Like I, I, can't be, I can't be targeted. And you saw that backfire on I don't know how many people because they, they, yeah, they do that and then it would turn out that they've got some dirt on them, right? And oftentimes the people who are very righteously indignant they're the ones who have got some dirt on them. Like if you've got a clean, if you've got like a clean slate per se, you don't really need to worry so much about this. Cause it's like, okay, you, if you want, you can, you can look through this stuff and you're, you're not going to find anything. Cause I'm good. My conscience is good. I know I haven't, I know I haven't engaged in this behavior, but it's the people who know they've got some skeletons in their closet and they want to be part of this mob to, uh, and you know, I mean, and it, it always comes back to bite them. Always, always. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Th- these mo- these mobs will they'll. It's like a circular firing squad. Like they take each other out. You just need to give it some time. So, um, yeah, I think you need to let them let them do that, and not have people. I mean, it's amazing the amount of, uh, especially over the past years, I've become a little bit more of an accidental free speech advocate. I've had quite a lot of emails. I've had a significant number of emails from students or you know, people working at places and whatever, just kind of like, yeah, like, thank you for saying this. Like, if I, if I said that, I would have gotten, I would have gotten killed or I would have had this or whatever. And I'm just like, on one hand, I'm kind of like, cool. I'm glad I'm kind of sticking up for that. But on the other, I'm like, that's sad. Cause I'm, I'm yeah. not like, cause it's weird to me. Cause I'm, I'm not like even, um, <laughs> I always find it funny. Cause I'm probably like the least offensive rapper in the world when it comes to my music. <laughs> I, I don't even swear. Literally. Like I, I don't even swear. And it's like some people consider me somewhat controversial and I'm like, I don't have any view. My most controversial view is like, I think income tax should be flat. That's probably, <laughs> literally, like, like that's probably my most controversial political view. Like I'm very much just, you know, there's, there's no, there's nothing incredibly interesting about my views or whatever. It's just, um, I, I do think I have like a certain lens and perspective on the the world and my mindset works in a certain way though, which I think people find interesting because I guess I process things a little bit differently for, for whatever reason. And I, and I, I see things, I see things quite early. So like this whole conversation we're having with like the transgender athlete debate, like I was talking about this in like 2012, 2013 and people would kind of look at me like, mm, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like you're, thinking I'm being too hyperbolic or I'm being too alarmist or whatever. And then I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. And then lo and behold, it starts happening and it starts happening more and more frequently to the point that it's now become like a big global conversation of like, okay, well, Olympics are coming up. What are we going to do? And yeah, I mean, you, you see these things creeping in. So I think it's good to kind of nip things in the bud or at least speak about them when you, when you start seeing them, rising up and that and that would go for any radical ideology or whatever on on any side of the political spectrum or whatever you know what i mean you can't just kind of sit back and be like uh it's uh it's all right <laughs> yeah man so th- this is a great chance to because we've been talking kind of about your view from from eye level or from ground level on what this is like to be wrapped up inside of this um, crazy narrative power that can just like transform a conversation overnight. But if we can pull it up just a little bit higher, cause you started to go there and let's, let's go there. You know, um, like you have these forces that control 
or, or at least influence how people think. You know, you can call it memetics, you can call it storytelling, you can call it what you want, but there are these components that when you load information into these vectors, you can get it inside somebody's head. And as long as the message fits within their pre-existing uh, sort of framework, then you can, you can add a little tag onto their message. And you talked about being able to see things coming down the pipe and I think part of that is being able to step back and see how the pieces are working together and develop predictions based upon, you know, how you see things playing out. And a comedian, like a comic is very good at this. That's why, you know, a good comic has a line ready at all times for basically all the things because they're observing what's going on and they're thinking to themselves, like, what is this? And what is weird about this? And what's contributing to this? And then, oh, here's a funny tagline, but there's a lot more to it. And there's a lot more to what you've done making that video than just like you know you said it wasn't premeditated in the sense that you weren't like trying to craft a giant viral video that was going to launch you into the stratosphere but I've you know I followed you for a while and I've seen that you have a pretty clear message and a direction to your message and I just wonder like what are your thoughts about how shifting the narrative back into a place of reality and 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 the tools that you use how can people sort of implement those tools for themselves and, and make it more powerful and more effective because you've been able to do that at this point. Well, I think that the more people, the more that people speak out, the more other people feel comfortable speaking out. So a good example would be, I mean, there are a couple of other musicians and artists that I know here in the UK who are pretty conservative, for example. And the music business, the entertainment business as a whole is as much as they claim to love diversity, you know, I mean, largely, largely due to the way creative personalities are, the music industry itself is very, very uh, leftward leaning. It's very, very liberal. People can be a little bit intolerant or just clueless about conservative or libertarian ideas and philosophies and whatever. And that in itself is not, uh, it's not a problem. It's only when that develops into some kind of intolerance or just bad ideas. And it's, it's funny, like as I started to get a little bit more outspoken about certain things, I've had a lot of, um, a lot of artists have kind of like come out of the closet to me. As in like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm actually kind of conservative. You know what I mean? Like, they're, but they're afraid of voicing certain opinions or say, for example, even if they voted for Brexit, okay? Right. If you if you if a musician voted for Brexit, like they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't want to say that in a room full of musicians or creative people or music industry people because everyone will look at them like oh my gosh he's a he's a xenophobic homophobic racist like you know those labels will just start flying out without anyone even because you know it's so it's so rare and so far removed. Um, so I think by people speaking out, it makes uh, it emboldens other people. It emboldens other people. It's very similar to, uh, we touched on it earlier, but it's kind of like the, uh, the original Me Too movement before it kind of got a little bit corrupted and became a witch hunt. It's a very similar thing. So you've got women who have been through, and some men who have been through sexual assault or harassment or whatever, and there's that shame, there's that silence, there's that fear. But by one person stepping out and saying, you know what, like, we need to talk about this thing, this thing happened, then it's literally me too. Then someone else is like, yeah, me too. You know, this happened to me. And then that makes another person be like, yeah, well that happened to me. And in that sense, that was a very good movement and something I think was probably necessary because from all the stories I've heard about the 
Hollywood about Hollywood and you know some aspects of the music industry and stuff that kind of behavior is, is pretty rampant and the reason why it's able to keep on going on is because nobody like to do something about something you need to talk about it first and if no one is talking about it then the issue just kind of gets step you know it, it just gets swept under the carpet so yeah so I, I think people just need to you know, not be, not be afraid to air their views. This, again, this doesn't mean you go out of your way to piss people off or be offensive or just have rhetoric that's just going to get a reaction. It just means like, no, like, this is what I think. This is, these are my views. And trying to have conversations, trying to have discussions, finding, you know, most people, the internet will have you thinking everyone's crazy, but, you know, most people are pretty sane. Most people are not on these extreme fringes you know most people you'll talk to them and they'll be like yeah you know you're right like we align on a lot of these things so i mean i I recorded two podcasts yesterday with um a woman's rights advocate and a radical feminist okay and you would think that that would be like some huge clash but amazingly you know we had these conversations and it was like so many things we aligned on i'm sure on the nitty-gritty of certain issues we're going to disagree and have different perspectives but it's like yeah, everyone can kind of see what it is for what it is. And, and they felt the same way. Both of those women were kicked off of Twitter because certain people didn't like their opinions, even when some of them were based on fact. I mean, Megan Murphy literally tweeted, a man is not a woman, though. And that got her banned from Twitter, right? That was like the last straw. That was the literally word for word, a man isn't a woman, though. That was That was the tweet, right? And I mean, that, that's why you can understand why people have this fear culture, because it's like, wow, you can't even, you can't say that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, right. Um, right. People need, but people need to, um, num- num- numbers do help, you know, num- numbers do help because it's hard to be that person who kind of sticks your head over the parapet. You know, it's the, it's the hammer that sticks out, get, gets the nail, right? So right. everyone yeah. wants to like, you know, like, let me, uh, let me blend in here. You don't want right. to be the, uh, you know, you don't want to be the, the pink sheep right. that the wolf is, that the wolf is going to go after. It's like, well, no, no, let me just let me just drop in here and so Twitter is really an idea reinforcement machine, right? So with Instagram and with other medias, it's it's mostly like a visual reinforcer. So it, Twitter falls prey to a lot of groupthink. So people become radically polarized because somebody has to jump in and say, Well, I believe this. I believe we need to go this far with whatever the view is on the right or the left. And then someone else has to kind of say, Oh, well, you think that's extreme. Let me add this on. So when you there's a well, there's a lot of research psychologically showing that when you don't have someone's face in front of you when it's anonymous you could be much more vicious you could be much more dehumanizing to someone and so that's a play throughout history people being dehumanized but there's nowhere better to see that now than online and so i love what you're saying about when you when you get people in conversation and dialogue and you establish those common connections that that's really where some conversation can happen you know you're engaging and and here's what we have in common here's where we can jump off here's where we can disagree respectfully but we're losing that because with things like twitter if if what you say gets enough likes i mean that feels great when it's the right thing but then when you add other things you're you're, and you feel like oh no they don't like it as much for anybody there's a tendency to stay with whatever narrative gets you the most reinforcement and so dismantling that and seeing that we can be authentic without caring about the likes. We can be authentic and talk about things because that's going to lead to a much more decentralized way of communicating where 
there are two super polarized positions that are really damaging. Yeah. I mean, I've kind of just got, when it comes to both Twitter and the real life, just the way I communicate, I kind of have, I'd say sort of three basic communication rules. Um, I've never really thought about it this way before, so I'm trying to articulate it properly. Number one is be honest. Don't lie. Right. 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 Authenticity. Just just, yeah. just, yeah, just be, be authentic. Don't lie. I will never say something that I don't believe in just to make a person happy or to not, you know, I mean, like I, I won't necessarily, I won't necessarily always rock the boat unnecessarily. There's times mm-hmm. when it's good to bite your tongue if there's nothing to, right. you know, you don't need to argue with everyone all the time. But certainly I never lie, right? I will never say something I just do not believe in because I think it'll make someone happy. So that, that's like first rule. My second rule is I assume, try to assume everyone has good intention. So I like to, the way I look at the entire, the reason people are polarized, the reason things are messed up politically is because people assume bad intentions. So I go into any conversation, any debate, any discussion, I just assume that person I'm talking to, whether it's online or in the real life, I assume they have, they don't have bad intentions. Sometimes it turns out that they do, in which case you can kind of politely disengage from the conversation and be like, well, if you're just going to insult me, then, you know, I'm not going to waste my time with this. But if someone's just, if so, if you assume someone has good intentions, then that will help you to expand your perspective. Cause you might have, I mean, it could even be like a pretty big disagreement, mm-hmm. but right. generally that person's not going to disagreeing with you. It doesn't matter which direction it is. Generally that person's not disagreeing with you because they're awful and they want to harm people or they right. want to kill people or whatever. They might have a warped perspective, right? Even someone who thinks that uh, communism is fantastic. Sure. It's generally not because they want to starve people and they want to no. like make sure that everybody does No, it's like, it's a bad idea, right? but it's generally, it's coming from a good place. And you can then have that conversation and be like, okay, well, what about this? What about that? Or, you know, can you give me an example of where it's worked successfully? Or, you know, you know, there's, you can then have that conversation, but if you come in and you're just like, oh, you're a commie scum, right? And, they're, and then <laughs> they're calling you, like, yeah, or, you know, oh, you know, you're a right-wing capitalistic pig. Then right. it's like, well, <laughs> we, can't, we can't really have a conversation here, can we? Right. Um, and you see, you see that with a lot of debates, right? So you've got people who literally will not talk to someone who voted for Donald Trump. Like if they know someone voted for Donald like they won't even talk to them. They'll, they'll excommunicate themselves from their lot. And it's just like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, like that's crazy. After that election, you heard stories about couples breaking up, people losing friends because they right. voted for different parties. And I'm like, that's, that's nuts. Like, why don't you talk to them? and find out why, you know what I mean? Like find right. out why, right. they, why they voted that way. And you can, you can have your disagreement. You might at the end of right. it be like, mm, well, you know, I still think this and you still think that, but have that conversation. Absolutely. And, then the, and then the very last one for me is, uh, this is quite easy for me because I'm pretty unemotional, mm-hmm. but not to, not to attack people personally. I, I really try not to attack people personally. If someone has a bad idea, I can be very, very critical of ideas, but I try to separate the idea from the person. So if someone, if someone has an idea that I I disagree with, or I think is stupid, or I even think is harmful, I will criticize the idea, but Mm -hmm. I will try my best not to uh, put it on them. Like not to call them, not to call them an idiot or tell them they're stupid or to tell them they're 
evil or what, you know what I mean? Right. I might be like, no, that's a bad idea because X or mm-hmm. no, I, you might want to think about this, but, and, and this goes for, this goes for like any relationship. This goes for how yeah. I interact with my, my family, my, my girlfriend, right. my friends, just anybody. And then the yeah. last one for online is to remember that there is a human being on the other side. Mm, exactly. That's easy to forget as, uh, as Ben was saying, that is very easy to forget. So you just yeah. see like a random, uh, Bart Simpson avatar or something. <laughs> no, there right. is somebody, I don't know who it is, but there is a human being on that other side. So let me not, let me not say something here that I wouldn't say if I was communicating with you face to face. Right. It's funny you bring that up because there's this idea of externalizing the problem. So in couples therapy with a couple usually sees one another at, if they're really pathological as the problem, right? But no, it's this communication style, this issue, this behavior that you're exhibiting, whether it's withdrawing or being very needy, it's always a behavior. It's always an action that is open to change. That's the issue. And for many people, they've just internalized whatever views their friends have or what they've read in social media, which is more pervasive than any media ever before. So many times people aren't even as invested in their ideas as we think they are. They're just repeating what they've heard. And those people are especially open to hearing other perspectives. If something really triggers their worldview, if they get to the edge of their worldview. Well, so the way, the way I see it is the way I see it is, um, you know how, I don't know if you guys, you know, like the whole idea of memetics or whatever like that. It's like the internet has opened a space where ideas and information could just flow freely. And you know how energy, the more energy there is, is because there's more particles moving. So like before you'd be the ideas would flow much slower. You'd be in your own place in your own local area. You would either be, uh, communicating with people in a, uh, in, in a close to you or maybe from another country, but that's it. With the open of the internet, there's all the barriers are out, which means all the information can flow much quicker, much quicker. The, uh, continuing with the analogy of energy, more particles moving, moving and quicker means more energy. So it's like we're not ready in such right. a small time. Like, it's basically been like right. in the last five years where everybody's become polarized and everyone's just all like suddenly charged with energy before you'd be like, yeah, I'm right leaning. I'd be left leaning. And that's, that was about it. And I said, like, oh yeah, cool. You know, it's like, I support this and that's it. But now it's like, it's your whole identity. It's because either that or in any issue is the whole energy that people have now with these, with these ideas flowing around is because we, we're not, nobody has taught us and nobody's prepared us or we're not ready yet to have, you know, like self-imposed filters to say, okay, I'm not going to let this influence me in, in such a way that I'm emotional and I want to ruin somebody else's career or I'm going to insult people. It's like the moment you, and labels, all these labels, they're just like, they're, they're the emotional triggers for these, for this like energy bursts kind of thing. Right. If I, you know, this, this branch of thinking, it makes me, makes me consider something analogous to this. And you can think of the, you can think of the internet as, creating a new opportunity for the development of a, of a psychological maturity. Like if you think right. of an infant, an infant is restrained physically and mentally. They don't, they don't have a syntax to communicate. They don't have control over their motor skills. Uh, they essentially just, you know, burp and throw up and shit. And then everything else is, you know, they rely upon somebody else to do that. Sure. And as you advance through the process of maturity, you take on more and more responsibility and you begin to see more <laughs> of the world. And then now we have the internet and that's the thing that hasn't 
been available before, but you have you have the viewpoints of several billion people available to you, and they're they're coming at you rapid fire, and that can be very distracting or confusing, um, or difficult to parse out where the truth lies and where the fiction lies, and and you know, and then you do have these narrative strategies or these mimetic inputs, these vectors coming in and trying to shift or sway your opinions towards very specific intended targets by a lot of powerful actors that have been right. doing it for a long time. Sure. But you also have the ability to take responsibility for what's going on in here. You know, you have these thoughts and you put them out into the world and you get feedback and then you can further hone and develop. And it provides the ultimate opportunity to advance and mature your mentality if you're willing to have a little bit of humility coming into the game. And I know um, speaking to that end, Garrett has been able to communicate a lot of the stuff that we're talking about very clearly on his site, Master Self. Sure. Right. And I, I wonder what he might have to say about um, sort of this ability to communicate or communicate clearly to, to compose like a, a more genuine counter narrative rather than engaging in a lot of the tropes that um, sure. seem to be infecting us. The exocortex. Yeah, right. So Remember that? The biggest issue that I see when it comes to a lot of what you guys just covered, right? The primary issue, most people don't know the difference between themselves, their personality, right? And their thoughts and ideas and feelings and opinions and beliefs, right? So for the average person, they, don't, they haven't done a huge amount of self-reflection. They don't understand like, okay, well, I've ha I have this opinion, but I feel I, I might have inherited that from my parents or from my church or from my culture or whatever, right? Or I have uh, I have some feelings, but those aren't necessarily me because feelings are temporary, right? Right. So when you, you get this kind of like perfect storm where the tension is rising across the country, across the world, really, but uh, through social media. So you get more people posting on social media when they're angry or when they're emotional, or when they have really strong opinions, right? Combined with the fact that people can't separate themselves from these opinions and, uh, and feelings and all that. And what this does is, okay, say uh, Chance comes at me and he says, um, Stop typing. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he comes at me and says, oh, you're a, you're a bigot because blank, right? So the person who comes at you can't separate, okay, well, they're holding an opinion and here's an actual bigot because they're attached in their, their worldview. And then me, if I'm attached to my worldview and they attack me for that, then you've attacked me. And so the, the really fascinating part of this is when you don't know the difference between yourself and your feelings, opinions, thoughts, beliefs, all of that, right? Then the mind treats that as if you were attacked physically mm -hmm. because the our concept of self is such that we treat what we think is ourself. Any attack on that is an attack, a, a threat on our life. So right. this uh, seems to be why we get this massive level, like hysterical, being super triggered, all that kind of stuff, because people have really childish, naive self-concepts mm -hmm. that are then, you know, broadcasted on the world stage. You're surrounded by people that already agree with you. And you think, oh, there's no way anyone else could think differently, you know, like solipsism. Right. So 
it's it's a it's a dangerous game and i think we need to get people to the point where they know the difference like they learn about themselves and they say oh well i have these feelings and i have these opinions but that's not me and i can entertain other opinions and ideas because it's separate you know yeah i i don't think most people should actually use social media (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm dead ass serious i mean we we are not evolved for this like i i always joke that we're we're currently living in just like a mass experiment mm-hmm. like the last 10 years it's like we people don't we don't even know what the long-term effects of some of these things are i mean looking at the rise in mental health problems and looking at the time it started spiking i uh-huh. mean i think it's i know correlation doesn't equal causation but i think it's to me it's pretty much a given conclusion that uh, social media has played a, a fairly big role in that alongside some other things. I mean, there are a lot of people who I do not think just in terms of their personality type, for example, if someone is very neurotic, you know, they're, they're prone to anxiety and depression and stuff like that, they probably shouldn't be on Twitter. Or if they are, they, sh- they shouldn't be using it a lot because for someone with that type of personality, you know what I mean? Like some of the attacks I've had on me, for example, from some of the viral tweets, like those, th- those would put some people in tears. Those would put some people into like a serious position. Like I laugh. <laughs> I think it's funny because like, I'm, I'm, I'm the opposite end. I'm like the lower, like the bottom, bottom 5% of neuroticism in, in the world. Right. I did the test. I think I'm like bottom 2%. So I don't, I don't get like rocked by that. It doesn't affect me. Like I can be on Twitter and whatever. And then I can just kind of jump right back into the real world and have a conversation with someone and be smiling and be happy. And it doesn't, they don't cross over so much with this last one. It got so much that it was like, okay, on Sunday, I was just like, you know, let me just disconnect from this thing. Cause it was just the, the, the sheer quantity. But um, for, for a lot of people, I'm kind of like, I mean, you see it on Facebook too, as well. I'm sure you've all got people on your Facebook feed too. Every time, you know, you've always got that depressive person on Facebook who's just, oh yeah, you know, hyper emotional and they're, they're kind of just pouring, they're kind of pouring their heart out on there. Right. And you're just like, yes. bro, like, come off this platform. Like, you don't, you don't need to, you don't need to be here. Or when people talk about like cyberbullying and stuff, or I'm being bullied on Twitter, I'm being, I'm like, lo- I'm like, log off. Do you know what I mean? Lo- 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 I'm, I'm like, right. sure, that's that's bad, but you are not being forced to right. use these things. If people are harassing right. you on Instagram, like, either block them or just like, you don't need to, you don't need to be on all these right. things. And I, I think. Um, I mean, we, we, someone touched on dopamine earlier, but I mean, it's known that the way it alters your, your brain chemicals and you're getting these dopamine hits, you're seeing the likes, the retweets, the, the shares, right. what, whatever it is. And you're, you know, you've got people who just, there's a spare 30 seconds in the day. Just, just, you know, it's like a twitch. You just pull your phone out and you don't even know, like, why am I even holding my phone? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's, um, I think it's, uh, it comes back to kind of what Garrett was ta- talking about. It, it's self-awareness. It's really right. self-awareness. And I don't think we live in a world, unfortunately, where most people are very self-aware. You no. know, just from talking to you guys here, I can tell everyone here is far more self-aware than, uh, than average. But I do Not really me. think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I do really. Living the dream. Living the dream, man. But yeah, you know, I do think the average person hasn't really um, kind of sat there and just got, got into know themselves and understand themselves and their, their views right. and their ideas and where they come from and I mean you can see it because that's why some people if you if someone will make a point right and sometimes someone will make like a very strong point or state a very strong opinion this this happens to me all the time and then I'll be like oh well what about this 
Hmm. And it's almost like you can, you can kind of see the system error in their brain. It's like, it's like some people, you have this such a strong opinion and nobody has ever challenged this. Like this is the problem with people being in echo chambers, right? So it's like they, they, yes. they're not even aware that there's an alternate perspective to, to, to what they think. So I, I get this all the time. Like I'll have someone, um, again, it's, it's funny with me because for whatever reason, maybe because I'm an artist or maybe because I'm black or whatever, people always assume that I believe in certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll have someone who will, uh, it'll normally be like a white girl or a white woman, for example, and they'll start talking to me about concepts like white privilege and, you know, making allusions to black people being uh, oppressed and institutional racism and systemic, you know, like all, all these, all these ideas that, you know, are, are quite leftist ideas. And I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't really believe in white privilege. And they kind of look at me like, what, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, cause, cause they're so sure that I, they almost like have this assumption that I'm going to agree with them. And I'm like, yeah, no, I kind of think it's bollocks. And they're like, whoa, wait, what? Like, what? what That's what happens with Kanye West. <laughs> oh gosh, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. He tore a fabric in like the reality. Like that was, yeah, exactly. That was, that was actually my first viral yeah, tweet, yeah. you know? That was my first viral tweet. I said something about, oh, uh, Kanye? I said something about, yeah, I said something about Kanye and it just, it went nuts. Cause I said something like, um, LOL at all the people saying Kanye West is lost. Maybe he's not the lost one. Right. And that was, I tweeted that and it just, <laughs> it, it went, it went bonkers. Right. I think that was maybe when I got my first uh, accusation of, um, of being something bad, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's, like, it's hilarious. Cause like the dude, the dude went with a, he went with a MAGA hat with a make America great again hat. And then he was like a black Lives matters t-shirt. Yeah. So it's like, you could see everyone just like not processing it. Like what, 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 what should I do? What, what, what's happening? You know, it's like yeah. glitch in the matrix. What's happening? You know, it was hilarious. Yeah. Well, if someone has a very binary black and white worldview and then something like doesn't align with it and you can't fit it properly into the box you thought it was supposed to go into, then you know, at least mm-hmm. that, that cognitive dissonance. And a lot of people just get angry. Like they don't know what to do. So they, they just get, they just get mad, right? They'll just like insult something just because, or they'll deny or they'll deny it. Or so, so, to, so for example, this person who, who said that I'm a black white supremacist, it's like the only way in his worldview, the only way in his worldview that my idea can be processed is that I actually, I, you know, like maybe like I, I hate being black Right. Or I'm someone, you know what I mean? Like, that's the only way that it can be processed. It can't just be like, oh, no, this is a black guy who thinks differently. So exact same thing with Kanye. That's why I loved what he did. Because, you, I mean, you saw it. You literally saw it on the news. You saw it on the media. People are talking about it. And they couldn't, they couldn't process it because it didn't fit their, it didn't fit their very clean-cut worldview. So their, their clean-cut worldview is all Republicans, everyone who voted for Trump is a racist, right? They, they literally said this on TV. Everyone who voted for Trump is a racist. All 60 million of those Americans all racist, right? And then you get a black guy wearing a MAGA hat and you're like, no, this doesn't, this doesn't fit into this narrative. So the only way you can fit that in is by saying that he's a race traitor or he's um, secretly being funded by some conservative think tank. You know, you know what I mean? Like people come up with these bizarre ideas. It was the exact same thing with um, yeah. when Trump won the election, right? It was the Russians, right? This is the, Russia, the Russian thing is still going on because it's, it, to this day, it hasn't, people haven't just accepted that their worldview was wrong. The way they viewed the world, every, lots of the things they thought they believed in, it was wrong. And rather than admit that, it's like, no, 
the reason must have been that it was the Russians. It was this, it was, it was that, you know, you're coming up with all these bizarre reasons rather than just going, Hmm, maybe, maybe the way I, I saw things wasn't, maybe I had a blind spot, you know, maybe, maybe I, I didn't, I wasn't seeing things right. Cause that takes some humility and people don't want to do that. Cause people don't like being, people don't like being wrong and going through that pain. I mean, I, I've been there. There's stuff that I've changed my mind on, right? There's stuff that I've changed my mind on. And, you know, I, I heard a better argument or I was presented with new facts and I was like, hmm, okay, you know, I have to have that humility to just be like, okay, you know what? Like I was wrong. Um, you know, I was wrong. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. And I don't know, like, I mean, the more you do that, the easier it is to do, but some people are just so firm. Oh yeah. Definitely. So firm and so, so dogmatic in their beliefs that it's just like, uh, it's not a, I don't know. It'll take a big epiphany to right. pull them out. Well, and part of the issue with this is there's this concept called differentiation. It goes to what Garrett was talking about with differentiating yourself. And it was a concept that was pioneered in the 50s, so quite a bit ahead of social media. Media was starting to gain a real hold, definitely. But the idea that you're undifferentiated from your, your parents or your relationships or something where anything that they believe you believe, or anytime someone questions them, it's, a, it's, it's akin to the idea, idea of codependence, right? And so you've got people who are undifferentiated from these literally thousands of little connections and feeds they're getting from the internet. And so anytime those are attacked, you get a lot of anger. That's where that comes from. And that's on both sides, like you were saying. I mean, if you're open to revising your worldview and you see that you are not your thoughts, right? That's a big phrase in psychology, but most people don't believe that. They may even believe it consciously, but at the end of the day, how unhinged will you be if your worldview is questioned? Again, a, a, politics aside, whatever things you take for granted, how, how entangled, how enmeshed we would call it, that's the opposite of being differentiated, of, of being aware of where your feelings, thoughts, and behaviors all intersect and disconnect from other people. And I think a lot of people on all sides of the aisle, as you were saying, are so enmeshed and get their identity in a shorthand form from the internet that anything that questions that, which there's a lot that questions things on both sides, can cause a lot of anger. It's like being entangled up in a bunch of vines. <laughs> so I wonder, we've covered a lot of ground and... <clears throat> You know, this is, this is a lot for people to think about because when we started, we kind of started with, you know, this big explosion in your life, Zuby, and how, um, you know, there was a series of events that led up to you being there and your own powers of observation and then just this sort of, um, you know, convergence of forces and then you just striking while the iron is hot in just the right way to, to have this global phenomenon occur from just a couple of your words and a, and a workout that you would be doing anyway. <laughs> and we kind of we pulled it back out and looked at bigger picture and we got into some of the cultural and psychological psychological significance but i wonder and this i mean this goes for everybody but specifically for you zuby because you're our guest of honor i wonder if there's a message inside of you if you were sitting down across from whoever's going to watch or listen to this and you were looking them in the eyes what's the takeaway from this that you would hope somebody could you know grab onto and and use in their own lives to improve their set of circumstances and and take responsibility for a little more of their corner of the world wow um so you mean specifically from kind of a conclusion of this 
conversation, all the various things we've been talking about? I do. Okay. I would say, wow. I mean, I've touched on some of them earlier. So those things I said in terms of communicating, telling the truth, assuming the other person doesn't have bad intentions. And um, what was the last one? Not insulting people, you know, being, being, being polite. polite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just being, being polite. I mean, a lot of stuff to like my, my worldview is um, my perspective and my mindset is pretty straightforward. I mean, some of those things already touch on it. And then just a matter of being, you know, being curious and understanding that, you know, what's that Jordan Peterson rule as well, you know, assume the person you're talking to knows, knows something you don't, right? So don't be so, it's fine to have strong opinions. It's good to have beliefs, but it's good to, it's good to have them challenged. You know, I, I like talking to people who have very different perspectives and worldviews from me. I'm, I'm very blessed that since I was a kid, you know, growing up in Saudi Arabia, I was surrounded by all kinds of different people, you know, yeah. all yeah. kinds of different people. And I was different religions, Hindus, uh, Muslims, Christians, um, Jewish people, like, you know, all, all sorts of different religions. And so I've always had that growing up. So I've always been able to do what you guys were saying of, you know, detaching my personal beliefs and some of my opinions from myself. But to, to boil it all down, I would just say, <laughs> it sounds so cliche, but be kind, yeah. treat, people, treat, treat people fairly. A big one I'd say is have a sense of humor. Mm. Have a sense of humor. You know, it's fun having serious conversations, but sometimes it's just like, you know, just, some stuff is just, just laugh. You know, like people are afraid to laugh. And, you know, you know, people are afraid to see the humor in things. Someone will tell a joke mm. and people would rather be offended than think about the funny side of it. Right. So it's like, you can't just go, ah, that was kind of funny. Maybe it was a little messed up, but it was kind of funny. You know, it's like, everyone's a serious, serious, serious. And it's like, no, just, just calm down. And then the last thing would be if, um, oh no, not, not the last thing, but I'd say if, if the online stuff is getting too much, just go outside, go for a walk, go into the forest, go to the beach hang out with people and you'll find that it's not really, it's not really reaching this boiling point that people uh, seem to think it is. And then the very last thing, I guess the, um, the big one would be, this is more on, on a mindset level because you said in terms of personal responsibility. I, I go by the philosophy of accept absolute ownership and responsibility for everything, even if it's not your fault. Right, just accept risk. Oh, <laughs> I, I I haven't even read the book. All right, but Gotta yeah, read that. title Ex- extreme ownership. But you yeah. know what I mean. If you are, if you are like I'm one of those people. If I'm if I'm driving and I get stuck in traffic and I end up being late for something, rather than blaming the traffic, I'm like, mm, well, I probably should have left an hour earlier. Right, there's stuff I could have done. Maybe I should have checked the traffic before I left. Right, I take ownership for that. So it's not like, oh, I'm late because of the traffic. No, technically I'm late because I didn't leave early enough, right? <laughs> Even if I left two hours early, it wasn't early enough. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, just taking that absolute ownership, not blaming other people, let alone the world or the system or the man or the patriarchy <laughs> or whatever your, chosen, whatever your chosen boogeyman is, just taking the ownership for your life position and realizing we all individually have the power to achieve greatness you know what i mean we've every single person in this world has so much potential it's it's crazy you know you think if people even tried like 
this annoys this one thing that annoys me about the world because i'm very keen on self-improvement mentally physically uh philosophically just knowledge wise everything i always want to be yeah man always want to be improving so when i come across people who don't have like any interest in self-improvement and like they've just been sitting there for like 20 years stuck in the exact same place just letting their body just go to crap letting their mind go to crap haven't read a book in decades i'm just like come on man or come on woman just like you know what i mean and they'll and they'll be the ones who are always complaining and criticizing things and criticizing other people and i'm like look like you you fix yourself like you do what you can for yourself if everyone does that or at least to a degree then who know who knows what the world would be like man so uh i'll step off the podium that's my speech <laughs> nice so i just uh i want to give everybody the chance to come in with a final word and just remind people who they are and where they can be found and we'll just go in the same order and then i'll i'll just kind of come back and round it out so garrett why don't you uh why don't you come in with some final thoughts got you um so i think i'm definitely uh, i definitely what zuby was saying really just look at your locus of control you know every every time that you're making a judgment about a situation you're generally either saying i have an inner locus of control or i'm placing it outside of myself so at all points, even if it's not the case, you're better off acting as if the event that happened was within your control than if it wasn't. Because there are a lot of times where bad shit happens and it's not your fault, but if you get used to acting like things aren't your fault, you're gonna miss the times where they are. So you're always better to err on the side of what could I have done better, rather than why couldn't things have gone better, right? Um, on that note, uh, check out my website, masterself, masterthyself.com. Uh, their Master Self Year One is available in paperback and ebook on Amazon. Uh, the book that I did a chance and our friend James Dowling is available as well in paperback, The Five Pillars of the Ascendant Mind, as well as uh, an ebook on Gumroad as well. If you'd like to give us more nice. money than you <laughs> give to Jeff Bezos to pay for his lady friends. <laughs> Very good. Let's uh, let's pass it over to Ben and get some final thoughts over there, man. Yeah, sure. So I really liked the phrase that uh, Jonathan said that like you are not your thoughts, and like bringing this together with everything we've said, it's like sometimes when when people react to things or when people get triggered or when people they get angry and stuff like that, it's like you've got to think like, is it really you, or is it your thoughts? Is it your ego? Is it your demons? It's like try to have a bit of a separation, you know, like you know, like. Like third point, third person point of view. Right. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> like third person <laughs> point of view, and just like you are, it's like this shouldn't be hurting you. If it's hurting that, your ego, your your demons, your ideas, your memes, memeplex, whatever, eh, let it hurt. I don't care. Have a bit of sense of humor, and that's it from me. I'm Benjamin George at Benjamin GJW, and uh, keep an eye on Ion Media. Let's uh. Let's give, as he is known in Spain, Jonathan, or as he is more commonly known, Jeremy, a chance to come into some final thoughts. Yes, awesome. Thank you, Ben, for for uh, the awesome handoff there. Yeah, you're not your thoughts. <laughs> People really have to. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not even being sarcastic. Uh, we're we're not our thoughts, and it's very difficult as a species that evolved to have such big brains to extricate ourselves from that, right? So every day we need to sit down and, and, and really meditate on what it is that we notice positive about the day, what maybe was a misperception. I mean, that takes some conscious 
conscious effort. So one thing I love that Zuby got to here or at the end is being exposed to different cultures, right? Because I was I did a little research beforehand and saw that you have performed in at least eight different countries, right? Uh, that interview you did with the indie music uh, publication online. I mean, that's that's huge. So when you've been exposed to those many cultures, which many armchair Twitter philosophers and people like that <laughs> haven't, that you really uh, gained. I've been I've been to thirty two countries as well. So oh, you see, beat me. I've been to twenty seven. That's good. What better way to get a bird's eye view and a perspective? So if that's if that's very uh, we out of the financial budget of a lot of our listeners, do some other things that expose you to different worldviews. That's the good part of the internet. Every day you can get exposed to different ideas, even a little bit at a time. If you expose yourself to something new every day, debate yourself into it. Say, okay, today I'm going to learn one new thing. You don't have to jump all in. So be open to new ideas, new perspectives. That would be the big takeaway for me. And you can find me at Manful Therapy here at Twitter. Uh, you can always reach out. Um, love to talk to men and women, but I specialize also in helping men who are kind of displaced in the world. So I'll just jump in here real quick. I just want to leave you with this. We talked a lot about how things can align to create a lot of momentum or power in your life. I mean, then it's up to you how you're going to channel that. Are you going to let the power abuse you or are you going to harness it and master it and channel it in a direction that aligns with your principles and your belief about what should be in the world? Are you going to have the courage of conviction and principle and sure. stand for the truth that you believe in? Or are you going to um, cave to the pressures and buckle under the weight of um, a lot of social momentum that's coming your way and is trying to convince you that you should believe something that is not true because it fits into a convenient narrative that's designed to send your mind into a very um, specific place that allows people to extract resources and leverage your behavior to their own agendas. I would suggest to you, my friends here and people who tune in, that you learn to look within yourself and find it find out what it is that you really believe in and use that framework to look out into the world and try to understand things from a bedrock of truth and principle. Be open to new experiences, be open to being wrong, be humble, but have some courage to stand up for what you believe in. Right. And when you're wrong, admit it. But when you're right, admit it and be able to get out there and say your words. So I'm Chance Lunsford, Logocentrifugal, Logocentrifugal.com got the logo centrifugal podcast you can find me at logo centrifuge on twitter i've got more tweets in six months than most people will have in their lives and um i know i speak for everybody here and i and i also speak for i'm sure most of the people if not all the people who are going to tune in when i say thank you zuby for being willing to come on here and have a conversation with a couple of joes and um you know we got your back i've i've watched you for a long time and I know you're friends with James and that's how I got introduced to you, but I've listened to your music. I've, uh, you know, I've watched your timeline and, and there's some courage on there. And, um, you know, we here at the ION, that's something that's important to us, truth and courage in a message. So thank you very much for taking the time to come on. I wanted to remind everybody where they can find you and uh, we'll put some notes in the, or we'll put some links in the show notes too when this airs. So. No doubt, right. man. You guys are welcome. It's uh... I appreciate that, man. It's been a pleasure. So everyone can find me at zubimusic.com. That's Z-U-B-Y music.com. 
If you want to get any merchandise, it's teamzuby.com, T-E-A-M-Zuby.com. And then I'm on all social networks at Zuby Music, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, at Zuby Music. You can find me on there. Don't hesitate to reach out. Well, then, this has been Ionosphere number 15, special guest Zuby at Zuby Music everywhere. Uh, we'll have links to everything in the show notes. And uh, thank you, my friends, for taking the time to tune in. And I hope that you found something of value that you can take out into the world and make something of. Peace out.